five, four, three. And welcome back. It's another installment of Not the Public Podcast. Bruce Dovigan joining you. Uh, this week, well, we're into the first year of the uh, Justin Trudeau reality in Canada, uh, looking at politics in the United States, wondering how that applies in Canada. Uh, a guy who's uh, certainly following this, uh, certainly from a conservative point of view, uh, Jackson Dohart, who is the editor of the Prince Arthur Herald, also working at the Atlantic Institute for Economic Studies, uh, joins us this morning to talk a little bit about it. How are you doing, Jackson? Hey, Bruce. How are you? I'm, I'm good. As I say, we're in the first year of the, of the Justin Trudeau reality, something that maybe this time last year or 18 months ago we certainly didn't foresee. What's your assessment of his early days in office and, and, and his impact on Canada? Uh, well, it's been pretty easy for him, I think, so far, in the sense that the public seems to have given him a pretty wide latitude. So that's one indicator, I guess, that the uh, the public really did, does kind of trust the Liberals um, to uh, to take care of the of the country that way. Yeah. As for the uh, the impact of it, um, I think it's a bit early to tell. Obviously, there are some policies that um, I disagree with a lot. Um, the pulling out uh, process with uh, the ISIS mission being one, the the running of the deficit was to say we're going to run deficits um, because we want to invest in infrastructure when actually infrastructure was, uh, you know, it, 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 that wasn't where the investment went, at least uh, not uh, in the majority. Um, and the Syrian refugee policy, I think, is uh completely uh, is being mishandled and uh, is is unfounded as a policy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd say so far that uh, I wouldn't be satisfied, I suppose. But, again, perhaps I'm not someone that uh, would be inclined uh, to their agenda. So, But um, it, it appears that by, by the approval ratings that so far Canadians uh, are happy with it. So I think it's probably a little early to tell. Yeah, I'm wondering how much of this is a cultural thing, a cultural acceptance, and how much of it is a political acceptance. To me, he seems to be more of a cultural phenomenon than a political one. Yeah, that that's true. It has to do with generational politics a lot. The politician that he most uh, uh, tries to emulate is definitely Barack Obama, and not his father. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Put him in a in a context in the sense that what we're seeing in the American political situation is clearly an anti-establishment mood uh, in the United States, uh, as witnessed by Donald Trump on one side, Bernie Sanders on the other, uh, the rejection of of the conventional. Uh, it, it, does Trudeau represent any of that, or is he just a throwback to the way things have always been with the Liberal Party? Yeah, it's uh, and it's even more that way than we might originally think, Bruce. Um, in that, I think that they are trying to wrap this up as being is being change and as being a departure from business as usual. Really, it's a return to the Canada of the '90s. Um, and in fact, when they say things like "Canada's back," which is one of their taglines, I think that's probably a more uh, genuine. Um, take on on what they're trying to do. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at, the, like, the electoral reform stuff, for example, I mean, that's just kind of the, the quintessential uh, liberal strategy of, uh, you know, stacking the deck uh, in their favor, 
uh, and trying to uh, and trying to kind of rig the game so that it can both look legitimate and democratic on the one hand, but it can also ultimately make sure that the interests of the party are are kept. Um, so yeah, yeah. As as an Atlantic Canadian and and me speaking from the West. Uh, I would sort of uh, I would change that phrase about Canada's back. I would sort of say Central Canada is back. The the vision uh, Central Canada has of Canada is is certainly back. Uh, give me a sense from that. I know how we feel here in Alberta. Uh, there's clearly a lot of resentment towards uh, Central Canada in terms of pipelines, in terms of uh, the sympathy for the oil business collapsing. But g- give me a sense uh, in, in Atlantic Canada, which voted unanimously for the Liberals, uh, how they feel about quote unquote Canada being back. Oh, I think they're delighted for it. Um, rather than a culture of resentment here towards Central Canada, there's a uh, a culture of entitlement toward Central Canada here. Uh, I mean, this place is basically a colony of the Liberal Party um, in the sense that um, people around here seem to trust that with the Liberals in power, they will be uh, looked after insofar as the federal government uh, can do so. Um the adjustments to employment insurance in the budget, I think, um, are one thing that was hoped for a lot here and are also going to be very damaging in the long term. But uh, no, on the whole, I, I think that uh, quite contrary to the West, um, Eastern Canada is uh, probably quite at home with, uh, with the Liberals in power. What's your sense, looking at it from your perspective in the Atlantic provinces or even the East, uh, about uh, Western Canada and, and its claim that uh, now that things are bad, that it, it, it needs some help and that perhaps they're not getting enough sympathy? Oh, I think that's totally true. The, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the hatred of Alberta, in, in fact, uh, is... Uh, pretty strong and also uh, not only undeserved because uh, we know that Alberta is, uh, is a great place, but also because uh, Alberta is a, a savior of many parts of Atlantic Canada. Uh, this is something that Rex Murphy has written about a lot. I mean, the reality is that um, with an absence of a thriving economy here, a lot of Atlantic Canadians have um, moved to Alberta. Uh, where they've been able to secure uh, excellent employment. Now, I know that things are, are tough at the moment, but um, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, have this uh, smirking attitude toward Alberta now, um, you know, is uh, is embarrassing, frankly. But I think it's definitely true. I wish that that sentiment weren't so strong. And I think this is another point of affinity between the East Coast and the kind of central Canadian Laurentian elite that you were talking about, that um, they've kind of always been suspicious of Alberta, I think. Um, and part of it is uh, is a cultural difference, and part of it, um, as you can expect, is a resentment that uh, um, that Alberta has, uh, has oil wealth. Yeah. So where is small-c conservatism right now? I mean, five years ago, it was in its heyday. We had uh, Stephen Harper fully in power in Ottawa. We had provincial governments that seemed to be fairly secure. Uh, Small-c conservatism, large-c conservatism, however, today seems to be in something of of, of, uh, of, of limbo. Uh, give us your sense of where conservatism is today. And, and what's the formula, again, considering your cultural comments uh, earlier about Trudeau, what's the formula for conservatism making a comeback? 
Well, I mean, there are different metrics, I guess, that we could use to uh, diagnose the health of it. I mean, as the party's concerned, um, you know, it, it's in a state of flux at the moment because um, ever since the uh, Unite the Right merger, um, the party has been a very leader-centric one, and now the the leader is gone. Um, so, understandably, there is um, currently a process of rediscovery and finding a new leader and so on. Um, that, I suspect, will sort itself out in time. Uh, but ultimately, a, uh, a strong uh, conservative party that can, um, can be successful as an opposition force uh, is important. And I suspect um, that given uh, Rona Ambrose's um, performance so far, which I think has been pretty strong, um, there's reason to be confident there. Another one uh, is the um, is the state of the media, uh, which is mixed. The National Post, uh, which is probably the uh, the main conservative uh, outlet, at least for opinion, um, is in real financial trouble. And um, obviously, I think everyone who uh, contributes to uh, that on occasion, as well as people who read it all the time, as I do as well, I really hope that they're going to be able to weather that uh, problem. But on the other side, you have things uh, like uh, Ezra Levant's uh, outfit, um, the rebel media, uh, which, uh, of course, is is pretty small compared to the major uh, uh, media joints, but uh, it's uh, all funded by uh, viewers, and I think that going forward with the media, you probably have a lot of thoughts on this, probably more sophisticated ones than I do. But, um, you know, moving forward, more subscription-based and user-pay uh, media, I think, is probably going to be the future in an age of diminishing advertising revenue. So the fact that Ezra is able to uh, harness that um, and to be able to actually build a, uh, a viable business out of this, in addition to... Um, uh, in addition to creating a product that people will uh, watch and which will have a, an influence on the so-called national conversation, I think is very good. So that's um, so. I'd say again, I'd say that part is mixed as well. Uh, the culture we talked about uh, at the beginning. Um, I'm of the opinion that small C conservative, serv- excuse me, small C conservatism has always been a bit of a tough sell. Um, in Canada, and in fact, um, you know, even when, as you say, the conservatism was at its height when Harper got into power, the um, you know, conservatives in power, whenever they get there, it's always a kind of um, fractious coalition. We know that um, you know the, uh, the the social conservatives and the economic conservatives and the libertarians and so forth uh, kind of have policy goals in mind and probably know that their only chance of advancing any of their causes is together. Uh, But nevertheless, I mean, it's not like the left, um, where, you know, there is uh, not to, I mean, there are disagreements on the left, too, of course, but um, there's kind of a natural unity, I think, there that, that people on the political right don't tend to have. And the last thing I would mention is the kind of intellectual uh, wing. 
Um, the, uh, I mean, I work at the Atlantic Institute for Market Studies, uh, which is doing well, of course, but also we have uh, organizations like the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, the uh, Canadian Constitution Foundation, and CARDIS, which is a, a socially conservative outfit, and these are all thriving. And one thing about being in opposition, so to speak, is that um, during that period, uh, think tanks and media organizations and blogs and podcasts and everything else can become a kind of fixture for people who are discontent with the government. So I think that part of the way in which conservatism can make a comeback, as you say, is if uh, uh, these kind of outlets can... Uh, can, as I say, become part of um, you know part of that community for people who, for for whatever reason, uh, are disappointed with uh, what the government is doing, or if they felt all along that there's something illegitimate about the regime that we have now. Talking with uh, Jackson Dohart from the uh, he's the editor of the uh, Prince Arthur Herald, uh, and if, again, if you're looking for conservative thought, not a bad place to go. Uh, take a look at the website. Some uh, interesting comment there, and again from the right hand side of the of the spectrum. I'm I'm wondering, what, you know, for a, for a nation that was born of a kind of a conservative instinct, staying with the crown, etc., why it is we continually seem embarrassed about conservatism here in Canada? In, in particular, you, you mentioned Ezra. You mentioned some of the outlets the conservative outlets not being able to seem to make any traction why why can we not have a fox tv kind of presence in canada for a country that was born of particularly conservative instincts staying with the crown as opposed to throwing in with the revolution in america etc canadians now seem very embarrassed about conservatism small c conservatism uh you know we don't have an equivalent of Fox. We don't have an equivalent of that voice. We talked a little bit about that a second ago, but we don't have the equivalent of those things here. Um, you know, is, is, is there something about the culture of this country that makes it impossible for us to, to, to embrace conservatism and, and see it as a positive thing? Well, part of it is just the size of the country. Um, you know, America is uh, a nation of 350 million people, uh, you know, strewn out over a three-dimensional continental size uh, country. Um, here in Canada, we're we're 34 million, largely kind of in a in a strip, almost a kind of reverse Chile uh, along the U.S. border. Um, so I think part of it is just the size of the market. It's harder to sustain. Um, but also, I do think that there aren't. Uh, the basis for conservatism necessarily. I think I might have mentioned in a previous uh, reply about regionalism. I mean, a lot of the support that conservative parties, even now when they're in opposition, um, can rely on is a kind of regionalism from the West. Now, I don't know necessarily how many uh, of the people who just reflexively vote Tory every time um, in Alberta do so because they believe um, you know that in Hayek and Tocqueville and uh, and Milton Friedman and so on. I, I think that probably a lot of them uh, do so because they consider uh, liberals uh, to be the party of Central Canada. Mm. Um, so in a way, that's difficult to say. But um, you know, as for for small C conservatism, I do think it, it's a tough sell in the sense that. Uh, you know, there just isn't the uh, the history of 
uh, of pushback against an overbearing state in the way that the U.S. did. I mean, the U.S. started as a tax revolt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't we don't have that same thing here. I mean, in a way, I guess it's difficult, probably, for people to understand who who uh, take uh, great interest and pride in the conservative intellectual tradition, which of course is very important. But I think the sociology of it in Canada is that it's. It's honestly a tougher sell. I mean, you don't have something like New Hampshire, the kind of live free or die ethic. Um, you know, I, in general, I Albert, think, Alberta, sorry, used to be, Alberta used to be the New Hampshire of, of uh, Canada, but uh, uh, with their, in our little interregnum here with the NDP, that seems to have changed. <laughs> yeah, um, but... Uh, well, I mean, even so, I mean, I think Alberta is, is generally a more right-of-center place than the rest of Canada. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, again, I think it's just a less, uh, it's a less natural thing. Though, I mean, you get kind of slivers of it. I think that Canadians don't care much about whether the, the size of government is, is larger or smaller uh, they probably prefer a larger one on the whole, but um, they care about the reputation of the country. And I think that if our credit rating was to be downgraded um, on account of uh, our uh, on account of our debt uh, or on account of Justin, as I'm sure he will, um, starting to to print a lot of money, uh, I think that would bother them. And that's the kind of thing that could put an end to the sunny ways. I think. But um, you know, as as long as the um, as the kind of fiscal indicators remain strong. I, I don't think that government spending almost for its own sake, as we've seen uh, with some measure, uh, is something that really bothers people very much. So, um, you know, I mean, this just heightens the challenge for those of us who make a living of um, of trying to uh, to promote what we see to be uh, better better policies, ones that are rooted in, in less government and more individual responsibility and so forth, because we're, uh, we aren't, you just, you know, coming into, a, uh, coming into a game where they're tossing us 45 mile an hour curveballs, you know, we're coming into an environment where people are generally hostile to this stuff. Hey everyone, it's Restocking. I just want to take a moment to plug a couple of our other podcasts. First one is the Sound and Groove podcast, hosted by Evan. He breaks down the world of music, teaches you a little bit about the history of music. The guy has an encyclopedic knowledge, so I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two. The other podcast is On to Mike with Mace and Rice. That's hosted by CFL veteran Corey Mace, along with this beautiful guy right here. We talk about a few more of the gossipy stories in sports, off-the-cuff stuff, really fun, really funny. So we hope you tune in to either one of those shows. We hope you enjoy them. And now I will send you back to the show. Let's end with the horse race question. You mentioned the performance of Rona Ambrose. Uh, Give us your sense of the horse race for someone to replace Stephen Harper. If you have a name, that's fine. Or if you have a description, that's fine. What what is it that follows Stephen Harper as the leader of the Conservatives that can get Canadians back on side again? Well, I, of course, want Stephen Harper to come back. (laughs) I think he's going to try and make some money for a while. Yeah, well, actually, I think the smartest strategy would be to leave Ambrose in now. Now, I know that the, the rules are that she's not allowed to, but those could be revised, I'm sure. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think she's doing a fine job. Um, I think leave her in for now and, uh, you know, let let Stephen go away for a while and then... Um, and then you know uh, maybe maybe next time come back. I mean, uh, part of what worries me uh, is that even though all the signs are there, um, I mean, this is only a six-month-old government, and already they're breaking promises left, right, and center. They're playing fast and loose with the rules on, or at least the expectations for the rules and things like electoral reform. Um, you know, this is a, sh- a ship that could sink pretty quickly if they manage to run into many more scandals. On the other hand, you look at the Wynn government in Ontario, uh, the Wynn-McGuinty dynasty, yeah. and uh, I mean, partially that's just a sheer incompetence on the on the part of the Ontario Tories that they haven't been able to capitalize on all this. Um, but it does make one worry about the federal situation that. Uh, you know, if if the federal liberals are just able to keep the right interest groups happy, uh, as the Ontario liberals have done, um, you know, that they may be able to keep power for a long time. So, you know, but anyway, yeah, I, but short of uh, Harper coming back, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a Jason Kenney fan. So, yeah. uh, and I think, if he, I think if he were to put his name in, I think it would basically shut the race down because he has so much recognition as being one of the, um, well, next to Flaherty, probably the um, probably oh, profile, the, the yeah. leading uh, cabinet minister under Harper. Yeah. Um, so my uh, only comment on that would be that, that you know, in talking to the Tories that I talked about here, I think they're looking for someone quote unquote younger or somebody who doesn't have the uh, you know the baggage of the previous administration. I, I'm a big fan of Jason's too, and felt his work was underrated. But I, I think that. Uh, you know, in terms of you know somebody to run against Trudeau, if you if you run a, a former Harper uh, f- featured uh, you know performer, then maybe you're going to have trouble with it. But this is what the conservatives are getting wrong. I mean, they're trying to beat Justin at his own game, and it's not going to work. Um, you know, getting a young, attractive person to go and kind of out Justin, Justin, I. You know, it reminds me of when, uh, you know, in 2012, when the Republicans, for uh, for a short period of time, were all gung ho on uh, on Newt Gingrich, and uh, you know, you could just see it in them. They were they were thinking, uh, oh, you know, what we want is a debate where the uh, where the Professor Obama is, uh, uh, you know, is schooled uh, in uh, in philosophy and debate by uh, by Newt Gingrich, Ph.D. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean. It's not going to happen. It's like all this stuff with they're trying to make out of elbow gate and so on is ridiculous. And and same with the stuff with Sophie. I mean, of course, it's ridiculous that the first lady, though it's, she's technically not the first lady, the prime minister's wife wants to have all these assistants and so on. I suppose it's, it is ridiculous. But I mean, it's it's mathematically insignificant. The point is that they need to be uh, focusing on the poverty of liberal policies and not on the way that. Um, you know, that Justin and his entourage uh, behave, because I don't think that's going to help them. Same with the leader thing. Um, Look, I mean, what is it that conservatives generally are like? Probably, uh, you know, older, a bit boring, uh, you know, policy wonks, and so on. That's what Harper was, and he was probably our best post-war prime minister. Um, You know, 
I don't know what it is. Though, I mean, look, a Ronald Reagan would be great, but um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 just, I, I think we have to focus on our strengths. I guess is is the main thing I would say in trying to out Trudeau Trudeau uh, when probably only one of the few things he's actually good at is, you know, creating this kind of celebrity connection to people is uh, is something they're not going to win on. Yeah, I, I just I just have no optimism that Canadians will not. Uh, uh, will will we'll ever give up on their elites, their central Canadian elites, the way the Americans appear to be giving up on the Washington D.C. elite at the moment? I just I don't I don't foresee that happening. But uh, listen, you know, funny thing, as, as uh, Harold McMillan said when he was asked uh, what he feared most, events, young man, events. And I'm yes. sure Mr. Trudeau will face many events, and we'll see so far how he responds to them. Uh, everything so far, as you said earlier, has, has been a cakewalk for him. There haven't been any particularly tough issues except Elbowgate, so uh, we'll see how he responds to those. Listen, Jackson, I really appreciate ta- taking the time today and talking a little bit about conservatism. Uh, it, it is not, the, as you say, they're not the sexiest topic in history, uh, but certainly in terms of the country long-term, uh, getting people like Kathleen Wynne out of office and some people who actually can balance budgets again, uh, I think is important thing to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, we should do it again sometime.